It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Welcome to the most recent edition of the Giants huddle podcast. John Schmelk with you. Thank you so much for being with us. Today's guest is NFL Network's Brian Baldinger. But first, I want to remind you, you can find the Giants huddle podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms, the Giants mobile app, and at Giants.com slash podcast, where you can find all of our podcast offerings. And now we're joined by our guest, Baldy. Good to talk to you, man. How are you? How's, uh, I know I know 2020 has been terrible, but I hope your 2020 has been less terrible than more. You know what's funny, John, is I'm actually in my film room at NFL Films right now, just literally down the turnpike from you. And I'm the only one up here on the third floor and have been for literally the last three months. But, like, I mean, as far as social distancing and all the stuff that we're supposed to do, I mean, I, I practice it every day. And so that's been good. And I, I didn't get to see as many training camps as I would have liked because of COVID and some of the restrictions and all that. But I did get to, I did get to seven camps. So I felt like I got to eyeball, you know, enough, at least to, you know, talk about the roster and coaching changes and some of these places in Carolina, in New York, some places where there's been a lot of change and, you know, at least get a feel for some of the changes and what's going on in those places. All right, well, and that's why I wanted to, you to come on the show, Baldy, because you were one of the guys that, that came down from the national perspective down to, to Giants practice this year. And, you know, I'm there, I'm watching practice every day, and I see people on the outside talking about these draconian measures that Joe Judge has implemented in practice, making guys do slow trots around the field when they have a false starter at offsides. And I have to try not to roll my eyes. What was your impression watching a Joe Judge practice, and, and did it remind you of any other practices you've seen over your years in the league? Well, Eric Mangini did that when he went to New York, and I, I can't say that you know it worked or didn't work. I, I know this, John, like when I was in Dallas as a young player, we used to run these drills at the very end of practice, and if you made any mistake, you jumped offside, you flinched, whatever, um, you had to run a lap. And in six years in Dallas, I never ran a lap. Because I hated running laps. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I, I would do anything. I, I'd be laid off the ball before I would jump early. And But there is something about, you could call it draconian, but everybody has to be trained. Um, you know, everybody. And everybody has to be disciplined. We all are crying out for John. And if this makes the Giants a little more disciplined, better trained, listen more carefully, uh, concentrate harder when you're tired or when you're hot or bothered. If, if that helps, then it helps. You know, we'll find out. You know, I mean, it's all about wins and losses. But, you know, this is his system. It's, uh, you know, I read an article not long ago. Uh, you know, Bill Parcells was saying you got to be you, right? And so if this is who Joe is, and hopefully it's not who Bill Belichick was or who Nick Saban was, it's, if it's who Joe Judge is, then more power to him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the way I kind of look at it, Brian, and you can probably speak this to it better than I can as, as the guy that used to be in the locker room. You know, if the coach is genuine and he's able to connect with these players on a personal basis and they understand where he's coming from, he's taken a lot of care to explain to the players why he does certain things. He doesn't just say, my way or the highway, I'm not going to explain it. You'll go, you go do it. I think when a coach adds that into the formula, it allows him to be more of a disciplinarian on the field because the players, to your point, know he's being genuine, know that's who he is, and he explains why he's doing things. And I think, especially with the modern-day athlete, that allows them to buy in 
to what the coach is trying to get them to do. Uh, to your point, great players want to be coached, right? So uh, I think if you put that into the equation, it makes the methods probably a lot more effective in the long term. I agree, but I would say that the way that he has selected his staff, John, I would say that his staff is probably pretty good teachers. And yeah. good teachers, we only remember the good ones, right, John? We, we, we kind of like uh, freeze out the bad ones. But the good ones we always remember our whole life, whether it was the way they, they did it. But if it was just explaining things better or more coherently or why the things that they're doing and the whys – and you go, oh, that makes sense. You know, I'm going to remember that. I, you know, I always think that that's a better approach. Um, we all need to be pushed. We all need to be pulled. But, you know, and, and, and there's a balance there. Uh, but it's nice when you can pull somebody along by explaining the methods and why you're doing things. And, and, and really, if you look at great coaches, the, the, the players will always tell you, they'll tell you why they do the things that they do, good or bad. They'll, they'll tell you why. Yeah, no question about it. All right, let's get to the X's and O's on the field, Brian, because, and by the way, if you guys go to NFL Game Pass, you can see the great feature that, that Brian's been doing with a lot of these NFL players, um, breaking down a lot of the tape. It, it really is fantastic. If you're a hardcore NFL fan, it is uh, much-watched stuff, so make sure you go, guys, out there and check it out. When it comes to the Giants from an X's and O's perspective, Brian, really easy to say, all right, Daniel Jones has to cut down the turnovers. Okay, easy to say, no problem. From a micro-perspective, how does he need to change the way he plays, or where does he need to improve in order to cut down on those turnovers? Well, so many of them, John, were right in the pocket a year ago. And going all the way back to preseason, when he was outstanding in preseason, there was a game when he was 10 for 10, right, in a preseason. Maybe it was against the Jets, I forget. But, you know, I think when you look at, if you, if you just break down each turnover, a lot of them were in, in the pocket. Yep. And I'm not talking about where he's just hit from the blind side and the ball pops out. That can happen to anybody. I'm just talking about, is there two hands on the ball? You know, how does uh, Shaq Barrett get the ball out of his hands the way he did when he's coming to his front side? Uh, you know, uh, center, the, the center quarterback exchanges just on shotgun. You know, there was a problem. Uh, even taking the, the snap from the center a year ago, underneath the center, there was a problem. So I think just basic fundamentals in the pocket, he can improve upon I Look, the guy throws a perfect spiral every throw. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, you can never say that, and that's uh, not a bad thing. I mean, but Eli never threw the ball like that. This guy throws in warm-ups. Every ball is a perfect ball. I think there's a lot there. I think just like what Jason's working with him on, and it's not like you want to change who he is. But I do think in the pocket, better awareness, um, more concentration when people are around you. Um, you know, the eyes in the back of the head. We, I saw, I, you know, I saw it from the beginning with Sam Darnold. He improved it from his time. It was a big problem at USC. But he's improved it since he came into the league. And so I, I, I do think that there are, you show it to him, you show him what could have been done, and then you point it out every time that the, the proper measures aren't taking place in the film room during practice, and just you just kind of keep harping on it. And then in terms of his decision-making and, and putting the ball where it needs to be in a timely manner, Brian, is that something that just naturally happens with a quarterback where he processes quicker as he goes year to year? And do you think the fact that he's in a new offense in his second year could potentially slow that down, or do, or do you think that won't be as big of a factor? I don't know yet, John. I can't really answer that. We've got to wait and see. We've got to watch him against Pittsburgh and 
watch them against Chicago. Um, they're going to throw a lot out of them. Pittsburgh does a lot. Um, Vic Fangio does a lot in the back end. Uh, the 49ers will throw a lot at them, not just the front. So we'll see. But I might, might you know, just going to Duke and knowing David Cutcliffe and, you know, just watching him for years before he came to the Giants, um, I think he, he's a natural processor. I, I, you could just tell the way his feet and his head move together. He knows that he can't throw off balance. He's got to move his feet, just just put any visual of Drew Brees or Tom Brady on. And when they go from one read to another, the feet change as quick as the eyes change. And my guess is that that's not going to change, even in a new offense. But still, I mean, whether it's terminology or the way that they read things or, you know, who they're highlighting in this particular route, I mean, if, if it's new this year, there is going to be some sort of a, a, a graduation period here where it's going to take a while to get to know that stuff. How do you think Jason Garrett is going to try to win games and score points with this offense? Is it going to be a power run, play action type of thing? Will it be you know, something a little bit different? How do you think Garrett's going to try to put all this together to make the Giants into an effective offense? Well, I think, you know, I just think innately that uh, the quarterback is a very quick thrower. He gets the ball out of his hands fast. Now, you can do those things. And then you play the Patriots, and it's a, it's a disaster on a Thursday night. You know, I and mean, they're just sitting on these routes, right? And so, you know, it's, it's not a good night. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of short, quick throws, um, dink and dunk. I think a lot of that. I think there will be a lot of Saquon. I'd be shocked if he doesn't touch the ball, if healthy, 350 times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it's a screen game, check down game, put him out, you know, put him out wide, motion them in. I mean, I think they'll do a lot with Saquon. If the receiving core can stay healthy, and that means Ingram and all of them, uh, I think there's enough talent there where you can run a lot of combination routes and attack certain coverages. Um, and I'm, I'm anxious to see uh, David Sills because he looks good to me. And I know his background pretty good in going to West Virginia, but he looks like he just runs well. And he, he's a type of a body that you need that can help a quarterback because he's got a little bit of a wingspan and he's got some size to him. But I think the core is good enough. Uh, you know, it's just a question now is how good up front are they that you can take some shots down the field? I mean, I know you can throw the ball to Slayton on a five-step drop and you let him go get it. They did enough of that last year because of the way that he runs. But, you know, can you wait for some of these routes to develop down the field on third and ten? Can you wait long enough? I mean – Ben McAdoo couldn't you, – you couldn't do it in his offense. You didn't do it in Sherman's offense. But you've got to find ways to get the ball down the field on third downs when you're third and longs. And that's a, that's a little bit of the offensive line, and that's a little bit of um, the way that you protect, whether it's max protect or slide or chip or whatever you do. And how about the offensive line there, Brian? I think that that's a great transition. Nate Solder opted out. That means you have Andrew Thomas – going to be a starter at left tackle. Cameron Fleming, who's been in the league a long time but hasn't been a full-time starter to start the season at right tackle. A potential first-time center in Nick Gates. Two guards that I think you kind of know what they are. At this point, Will Hernandez is still young. Uh, your thoughts on the offensive line and, and where they're going to be, and will they allow Daniel Jones to do the, the type of things you're talking about? I mean, even without, you know, I mean, look, it would be better if Nate Solder was there, but he certainly has had his share of bad moments. Sure. 
um, you know, since he got there, right? I mean, we've all watched it. Yep. So there's nothing worse, John, nothing worse for a quarterback than quick pressure, getting beat right away. I mean, you can handle guys coming off the edge. Um, you can handle, you know, the Aaron Donalds of the world if you know that you've got some sort of escape route. But quick pressure where you're beat fast, that, there's nothing you can really do. I mean, Eli just, you know, he just would take a dive. Now, Daniel Jones is obviously a much better athlete. He's going to try and keep some of those plays alive. But that's the worst thing. So we got to see if Andrew Thomas can hold up in this. You know, I mean, the Steelers have as good a front as there is in football and Chicago and the 49ers, and Aaron Donald can just wreck you if you don't have a game plan every play. So the first month is going to be probably the toughest test for any quarterback, not just Daniel Jones, but probably the toughest test for any quarterback in this whole league. Um, it's just what it is. But I got to see Andrew Thomas. Like, if, if, I don't know, if Bud Dupree just beats him bad in the first quarter on Monday night, John, is Andrew Thomas going to shake it off and put it out of his head, or is it going to bother him? Because I've seen, I've seen a lot of guys where it bothers them, and it leads to another mistake. So I don't know that about him yet. Cam Fleming has never been a full-time player, but he can play. You know, he, he's been a, a third-down tight end. He's been a spot rotational player at times, right side, left side. But this is a big job for him now, to be an every-down player. And, and then ultimately, and I like Nick Gates. I like everything about Nick. I think he's a tough guy. He'll start a fight. He'll finish it. You need that guy on your line. I, I, I think Nick is going to be okay. But it is a question of how do they all play together. And we don't know yet. We just don't know, John, and until you, you can assimilate. You can have the scrimmages in the stadium. You can do a lot of stuff. But you don't know. This is an elite front four that they're going to see on Monday night. Yeah. I mean, every single guy is an elite player. Um, and, and they don't have to blitz at all, although they will. So I, I, how you get ready for that is, is huge right now. Yeah, and Brian, before we get to the defense, just along that train of thought, you know, the Steelers, not just a great front, they got a great secondary too, and one of the top defenses in the league. You know, the Giants, no offseason, limited practice, new coordinators, young players, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, I'm not, not looking to make excuses, but is there going to be a figuring things out period for teams like the Giants with new systems, young players, young quarterbacks, all that sort of stuff? early in the year, especially when you're playing a team like the Steelers that return so many of their coaches and players from last year? They return everybody. I mean, Stephon Tewitt got hurt, and Javon Hargrave took his, you know, took his place, and Javon's gone, but Tewitt's back in there. Um, they went to a seven-defensive back, third-down package in the last five, six weeks of the season, and they gave everybody fits, everybody. Uh, make a fit, like they, they're one of only five teams, John, since the merger in 1970 to lead the league in both sacks and takeaways. And they're all back. So, yes, there is – it's almost not fair, but, it, you know, there's nothing you can do. It's a no-mercy league. So – but I'm not going to say it's just going to be a massacre. I mean, they got to go fight it. But you'll find out a lot about Camp Fleming and Andrew Thomas right away, which can be a good thing. You know, you find out what they can and cannot do, and that's really what – August is supposed to be, John, but we know that a lot of teams don't play their guys you know, in August. So that's what September has been in this league. and it, It's been that for the Patriots. It's been that for a lot of teams in this league. September has been the new August, and, and that's what it's going to be for the Giants this year. 
All right, let's go to the defense, Brian, and we're joined by Brian Baldinger from NFL Network because I think when you have real, you know, bigger questions on defense than offense for the Giants, and the, the pass rush and coverage are, are linked, obviously. The Giants don't have that guy that's going to demand the double team as a pass rusher. Uh, after James Bradbury, their cornerback core is extremely inexperienced, not a lot of game time under their belts. How do you view their pass defense? Because to me, that's what's really going to make or break their year, Brian, whether or not they can stop other teams when they try to throw the football. Well, I would agree. Um, you know, he gave up 30 touchdowns a year ago, and that's way too high. I, I think Logan Ryan is going to help. I, I'm not sure why they waited so long. I mean, once they knew DeAndre Baker's situation and Sam Beal opting out, once they knew those situations, I mean, I, Logan Ryan played nearly every snap last year for Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, he might have missed 10 snaps. Um, but he's mostly, he, he mostly played in the slot, though, John. Um, when I watch him, he's mostly in the slot. Now, can he play outside? Yeah, and they need him to play outside. Look, they're thin. They're really thin. And it's, it remains to be seen if Jabril Peppers and Julian Love can really do those things on the back end of their defense, um, especially with Xavier getting hurt. So, you know, I'll, I'll say this, and, and this has been echoed by you know, many guys. I'm sure Patrick Graham would say the same thing. Like, when you make mistakes on the back end of your defense, whether it's bad tackling or poor coverage, it leads to touchdowns. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's in the red zone or if it's 80 yards away. They lead to touchdowns. And you, you've got to be firm in the back end. Now, you can hear Patrick Graham out of practice. Um, I, I like Patrick, but it does. It, it's nice if you've got a great front and we got to see just what they do with Lorenzo and Kyle or you know, Fackrell and how, how Shane comes along and you know, all these guys. But the back end – it's it's really important that the communication, especially with a lot of new players, Logan coming in, a lot of new and young players, the communication, and I hear them talking at practice, which is good. they got to open their mouth. That's what a lot of young guys don't like to do and aren't comfortable doing because they're not sure. But they got to communicate, and they got to know what each other is doing. Otherwise, it, it leads to huge plays. What should we expect to see, Brian? Because all Joe Judge and Patrick Graham and even Jason Garrett to an extent have talked about this offseason is we're going to customize our game plan and scheme each week to the opponent. But at the same time, to your point, it's a very young defense. So I don't know, you know, how much can you change each week and not get guys out of sort where they make the type of mistakes that lead to touchdowns that you're talking about? So, you know, what do you think this Graham's defense is going to look like? How are they going to be able to alter it week to week based on an opponent, you know, given the personnel that he has at his disposal? Well, you know Steve Spagnuolo, and you know, and Steve, when they won a Super Bowl, I mean, he put way too much in, and they had to simplify it, and that was with a veteran, experienced group, and then they fixed it and you know figured it out. He did the same thing in Kansas City last year; they were awful yep. mm -hmm. the first seven or eight weeks of the season. They made some structural changes. Um, you know, Fuller went to safety, and you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tyler Matthew went to you know the nickel, and you know, they, they made structural changes. And they really were much better the second half of the season. And Patrick Graham may have – you can say all those things. We're going to be game-specific. But, but if guys are making mistakes, you're only going to be as strong as your weakest link. If guys are making mistakes because they don't know, they're thinking too much, then you have to eventually simplify. So it sounds good right now, but my guess is they're going to have to simplify things just to line up and play and try to keep things in front of them. Um, now you you might be able to put some zone pressures in and try to get a you know free you know runners of the quarterback and those kind of things can help but you can't do that all game long 
these quarterbacks are too good at figuring that stuff up and seeing it before it happens. So uh, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of adjustment to that philosophy right now, John. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. The bright side, Brian, they should have a pretty good run defense. Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, that's a pretty good inside three, and Blake Martinez has always been a pretty short tackler in the middle of the defense as well. Yeah, he has. Um, he's, you know, he's, you know, he led Green Bay in tackles, never came off the field. I mean, they were a dime defense, so like, he was the only linebacker that stayed on the field. Yep. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a little concerned about his pass defense, to be honest with you. Um, but, look, yes, they've invested heavily in defensive tackles, probably more than any other team in this league, which isn't the ideal way to build a football team in my mind, John, but you've got those guys up front, and you've got a rotation there, and you've got a bunch of big bodies. And so, yes, they should be good against the run. It, uh, they still have to go do it. I mean, they, they, uh, you know, they were pretty good against the run last year. They gave up less than four yards a carry a year ago. So you, you'd love to make teams as one-dimensional as early as you can in any series. Or, and so if they can do that, that can, that can help, sure. All right, Brian, final question, big picture. Uh, what should Giant fans' expectations be? What should they be looking for? What should they be watching as they go through this season uh, to determine whether or not it's a success? You can give me win total if you want, but I'm just more talking about watching what's going on on the football field. Well, I'll just make an analogy here, John. And I'm not saying the Giants are going to be like this, but there was no worse team in football in the first seven weeks last year than the Miami Dolphins. None. Like, they, I mean, they gave up 43 to New England. I mean, the... You know, Lamar Jackson threw five touchdown passes in the open. They were horrible, okay? And, you know, and, and people thought they would go 0-16. And they got to December, and they beat the Eagles, and they beat the Patriots. And that was a team that did nothing but improve. They listened to the coach, they bought in, and they played winning football in the month of December. They were 3-2 and two in December. The quarterback was really good. And they looked like a completely different football team. And I don't know what the record is going to be, John. I don't want to predict any records. But that's, that's, if I'm a Giant fan, I want to see it. Because I, I think I saw it at practice, John. I believe the team has completely bought in to who Joe Judge is and his message. And you can just tell the way that they practice, which is good. But I, that's what I want to see. I want to see this team in December be much more competitive than I think they may show um, in September. And if they do that, I don't care what the record is. They're, they're on the right track. Yeah, and I think, Brian, to your point, and, and, and just a quick follow-up, Patrick Graham did that on defense, by the way, in Miami, with a bunch of guys that were on the practice squad, which is really, really impressive. Um, really guys that nobody ever really heard of, and he got them to play well at the end of the year. So just long-term for the Giants, when you look at the talent on the roster, what Dave Gettleman's built in his three off-seasons here, where do you think they are from in terms of a long-term build perspective with the pieces and what they have in place moving forward? Uh, where do you think they are, and where do you think they still need to bring in some help? It doesn't look like they have just a straight dog on the defensive line, you know, the Nick Boza, you know, that type of player. Sure. That they, that obviously the Giants built around with LT and Strahan, those kind of guys. So that's not there, and they need that. And every great defense needs that. Um, some, some guy that could just set the tone. They need a ball hawk in the secondary. We don't know that they have that. Um, they have made a lot of mistakes, obviously, in the draft over the years. DeAndre Baker is a mistake. And when you make a mistake, John, the mistake doesn't go away. You can cover for it, but it doesn't go away. So, you know, they, they've been covering for it, whether it's bringing in free agents, Janoris Jenkins, or, you know, all the guys, Olivier Vernon, they've been bringing in and overpaying for free agents. But 
eventually you've got to hit gold in these drafts. And so to me, the offensive line is still priority number one. Now, I don't know if Nick Gates is a long-term answer. Sean O'Hara was, and he was a free agent, and they've, they've, they've found those players before. Um, they need to find five tough guys up front that love to play the game and are good players, and you, you will go into any stadium, and they're going to be the five toughest players on the field. A Richie Seibert. It does, it's not a question of where they draft him, because those guys are all free agents. But give me five of those guys. And I'm just going backwards in time here. I go back to Billy Ard. Give me Billy Ard. Give so, me five of those guys. Suburbanites, let, baby. Let, <laughs> the Suburbanites. Right, yeah. So if we could, if they can do that, that's and I, I think they're still trying to find that out right now. I think Nick Gates might end up being one of those guys. Uh, we're going to find out a lot about him in the first month. Yeah, and they hope they have their franchise quarterback. We're going to find that out too. Brian, yeah. awesome stuff. Before we say goodbye, uh, tell the folks where they can find all your great work and everything you're doing right now. Well, I'm on the NFL Network, so I'm, I'm hosting Total Access tonight from seven till nine. Um, I'll be uh, I'll be on the network all year long doing a bunch of breakdowns. And then you can always follow me on Twitter at BaldyNFL or on Instagram at BaldyNFL, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing football every day on those platforms. Yeah, Baldy's breakdowns, and check out his, his, his great film breakdowns on NFL Game Pass as well. Baldy, great stuff, my friend. Hopefully you'll see you again during the year in, in a very unique 2020. Stay safe, my friend. We'll talk to you down the road. Do the same, John. Always a pleasure. Thanks, man. That's Brian Baldinger from NFL Network. We thank him for joining us on the Giants Huddle Podcast, which you can find on Giants.com slash podcast, on the Giants mobile app, and, of course, on all your favorite podcast platforms. Find them, subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star positive review. For Brian, I'm Schmelk. We'll see you next time on the Giants Huddle Podcast. Stay safe, everybody.